Hey, Scott Walker here. Thanks for joining us on our podcast. You can't recall courage. Obviously, this is a big week for Joe Biden and uh, Democrats. Uh, in fact, uh, early reaction, uh, having watched uh, the speech on Thursday night, I actually thought it was a pretty good address. I, I thought he had a, a nice, solid tone, pretty good delivery, much better than a number of the interviews he's been doing the last few months. Obviously, practiced it quite a bit, and we'll see things how things change uh, when it's not just reading off a teleprompter, but when he actually has to appear uh, in front of not only the president, but uh, a moderator at the debates. But I thought, all in all, he's going to get a bump out of it. He came across pretty reasonable, uh, came across respectable. Certainly all the things said by his children, his wife, his family, his friends, uh, there's no doubt about it. And I've worked with him in the past. He's a decent guy. Uh, I think that's indisputable in terms of just being, particularly for somebody in politics, a pretty good all-around guy. But you got to remember, uh, this is someone who has been in the Washington establishment now for more than 40 years. And uh, I, I think across the spectrum, politically, people realize that that Washington establishment on issue after issue, including many of the issues Joe Biden talked about on Thursday night, that the Washington establishment has failed the hardworking people of America. And so if you boil this down and you look at not just what your feelings are after watching an address like that, but what the facts are, <coughs> he even made reference to facts over feelings. But the fact of the matter is, if you look at the facts, uh, Joe Biden clearly, I mean, the people speaking for him, vouching for him, not only Democrats, but independents and even a few uh, Republicans are overwhelmingly people who are part of the establishment. The, the Washington establishment, clearly, Joe Biden stands with them. He's a part of them. Uh, he's respected by them, but he's a part of them. The Washington establishment is threatened by Donald Trump. He threatens them because he's the kind of guy who doesn't care about the Washington establishment. He firmly stands uh, with not only the hardworking men and women of America, but particularly the forgotten men and women, the, the people who feel marginalized, the people who feel disconnected and ignored, the people who are not the special interests. Those are the people that Donald Trump overwhelmingly relates to and stands for. And, and I think to the extent that Donald Trump can get that out next week during the RNC convention, and particularly in the weeks leading up uh, to the uh, November 3rd election, uh, this is going to be a close, close election. The media is overwhelmingly on the side of the Democrats. I, I got to tell you, I didn't just notice it, but as Tanette was watching, my wife was watching these um, coverage uh, the, the, uh, from Monday through Thursday night, even she noted about how gushing uh, some of these moderators. We flipped around different stations, uh, looking at the uh, the anchors and the statements they'd say. And and again, he, there's a compelling story. What what happened uh, to former Vice President Biden? What happened to him early on in his career with uh, a wife and a child uh, being killed and taken away from them? What happened to him later in life uh, with his son Bo, who clearly had an admirable life, uh, not only in public service, but particularly in the military. Those are overwhelming things. And, and I think they're, again, having known him when I was governor, not real close, but having dealt with him a number of times as I was part of the uh, leadership on the board of the National Governors Association, uh, always found him to be a guy. Actually, was usually the first one in the meeting, the last one out, told us amazing stories from over the years in the United States. Said it, a lot of fun to be around, but but again, certainly a creature of the Washington establishment. I think one of the other things that would be interesting to note, and I've said this repeatedly this week, is 
Joe Biden wants to be president. It's clear. He plagiarized his way in trying to, to win uh, in 87 leading up to the 88 race and, and was so vague, so clear uh, in his plagiarism, so obvious uh, of Neil Kinnock, the labor leader at the time, that ultimately that, as well as statements he'd made about his status in law school and finding out that he'd plagiarized uh, an entire paper based on a law review. All of those things together came crashing down on him. He had to pull out of that race after that scandal. Years later, uh, running in 2008, he kind of crashed and burned there and said some unusual things, including some statements uh, about uh, then-candidate Barack Obama, a member of the United States Senate, he ends up getting the vice presidency and uh, obviously extremely loyal, but was filled with years of gaffes. There's all sorts of comedians who've had fun at the former vice president's expense. But but now in, in 2000, um, 2020, starting out last spring, 2019, when he kicks off his campaign, and it becomes clear as he goes through this process that, you know, Joe Biden, who who had he stayed in and not tripped up in in 88, might have been a viable candidate then, who might have been a viable candidate in 92, but who seems a little bit out of sorts with the modern uh, Democrat Party. He sees, and, and I think those around him strategically see, that there's there's an kind of an abundance, not just of candidates overall, but overwhelmingly in that in that lane that increasingly the party has gone with AOC and the squad and others, and that is kind of the radical left, that that uh, people have seen how well Bernie Sanders did four years ago. In addition to Bernie, there's there's all these other candidates vying to see how far to the left they can get. And so Joe Biden, wisely, again, having been a creature of Washington for so many years, he can picks up, picks up an opportunity, and he sees that uh, it's a better spot for him in the primaries to make the case that he's the reasonable, the moderate candidate. Uh, at the same time, he, he makes an appeal uh, to certain key elected leaders, uh, uh, like the number three uh, Democrat in the U.S. House, uh, Representative Clyburn, who who helps him out tremendously in South Carolina. In fact, he puts together a winning coalition of uh, supposedly more mainstream, moderate Democrats in the primary, along with a heavy surge of African-American voters. I, I think that's why it, it wasn't a mistake. It wasn't a slip-up on his part to not only talk about putting a woman on the ticket, but he, he talked about uh, putting the first African-American woman on the bench on the Supreme Court and talked about uh, putting a woman of color on, not just a woman, on the ticket with him. Those were all things that I think he believes, but they're also things that were very strategic in terms of helping us during the primary. So he does the unconventional, which is normally, in either party, candidates run more towards their base in the primaries. They come around and run more, at least make overtures to the middle to show not only the electorate, but to show how they'd govern. Joe Biden does this all all in reverse. He he wants to be president so badly that once he's won, uh, using the, the somewhat or perceived moderate track, he then, to get support, because... I don't think just he, but many others believe that part of the reason why uh, Hillary Clinton lost was a lot of Bernie Sanders supporters either sat on their hands or felt like it was a given Hillary was going to win against Donald Trump and so voted for someone like Jill Stein. He didn't want that to happen again. And so he overwhelmingly wants to be president. He outsources his agenda to the radical wing of the party, giving control to people like Bernie Sanders and AOC and, and others in return for their support. 
I think it's pretty clear. Uh, in fact, the capstone of that is putting Kamala Harris on the ticket, someone that Newsweek, Newsweek, not the RNC, not the Trump campaign, not some conservative publication, but Newsweek says, according to their tallies of votes in the United States Senate, actually has a voting record that's more liberal than Bernie Sanders. More liberal than Bernie Sanders. For the first time ever, you got someone on a major party ticket who's to the left of a self-proclaimed socialist. So you've got all this going on. You've got Joe Biden, like I said, who's been a creature for now decades, four decades plus uh, in the Washington crowd. You then also had up until recently this push to keep him somewhat hidden. You know, for a while we were calling uh, Hayden Biden, uh, obviously coming out this week, being more engaged. Up until Thursday night speech, really, uh, most of the interaction uh, was, you know, a little bit out seeing Jill Biden, although a weird moment at the end there, a little bit out with Kamala Harris, a little bit out thanking folks uh, for the uh, for making him officially the nominee of the DNC uh, going into the general election. But by and large, the other things were things that were taped, that were scripted. You've seen uh, most of his interviews were fairly friendly uh, interviewers along the way, and even there he's muffed some things up. But they've kept, kept him largely hidden, and, and they haven't done press conferences. They haven't done pressing questions of the media. In fact, even the other day when they were, the two of them were signing the papers, they, it was a photo op, but they rushed people out. Why? I think for two reasons. One, they're concerned about, you know, they want to sit on the lead. They don't want any gaffes. They don't want any confusion. They don't want him to look like he's not up to the, to the job, which, again, I think in his speech, he did a good job, but we'll see what happens in the debate. Uh, but secondly, they don't want to see or not see as much as they don't want Biden to have to defend the much more radical positions he's taken now that he's shored up the nomination. <coughs> Understandably so. Those are positions that are largely going to be out of touch uh, with swing voters in places like Wisconsin, uh, Michigan, North Carolina, uh, Ohio, Pennsylvania, uh, you name it. We're going to talk some more about the, some of the other observations throughout the, uh, the convention, what comes next, when we come right back. Hey, Scott Walker here. Uh, you're on our podcast, You Can't Recall Kurtz. Thanks so much for sticking around with us. Uh, as I mentioned, it's interesting being here in Wisconsin. The convention was supposed to be in Milwaukee, obviously a huge disappointment, so much so that uh, they, they not only didn't have it here, but they, uh, they even changed the logo from one that had... Uh, D20 and the circle in there. It was supposed to be the the uh, silhouette of the state of Wisconsin. Even the local newspaper noticed that the logo got switched to the silhouette of the United States as a whole. But, okay, those are things that I'd said early on. I was happy the DNC was here, just like obviously I'd be happy the RNC was, was here in my state because it's not about red or blue. It's about green. It was about money and um, resources, but also just exposure, giving people to see how spectacular the city of Milwaukee is and in many cases how much nicer a place it is that many people would have thought but we didn't get that chance and you know a number of interesting observations so the uh, the Biden camp early on said that when they explained when they were going to come that he didn't want to come because of coronavirus and they didn't want to expose people even if the convention wasn't being held there even the delegates and the visitors and the media weren't coming uh, they didn't. They were so serious about being safe. They didn't even want to expose the, the workers that would have to set things up at the convention hall in Milwaukee to come in here because they, I think they anticipated 
not only many of us uh, Republicans, but many in the media saying, well, why couldn't he still come and give his address in Milwaukee? Uh, you know, there's no reason why they have to fly on a commercial plane. They uh, nominees uh, do that all the time. That's normally par for the course. In fact, usually they'd be taking off to go travel the country uh, now and make their case to the American voters. But but obviously instead, he did it all in Delaware. What I thought was interesting, both Thursday night and even during Wednesday night speech, is uh, that was done in Wilmington, Delaware. It wasn't done in his home, his basement, as all these other interviews uh, had been uh, leading up to now. They, they actually did it in a convention center. Actually, it's a pretty cool setup, uh, as odd as these things are, and will be next week for the RNC. I thought it was a pretty good setup, and like I said, a pretty decent speech. But but here's the just of this. If this was all about safety, if it was all about health, um, isn't the exposing workers at the convention center in Wilmington to the same sorts of issues that they might have been exposed to if it was in Milwaukee? I mean, you still got to set the stage up and logistics and all those other things. Again, it it wasn't in his own basement. It was in a convention center. Uh, Secondly, the other thing I thought was interesting is, again, if it was all about health, why would you have Senator Harris come all the way to Delaware? I mean, her home is in California. If it was just about keeping people healthy and safe, wouldn't you have her deliver her address on Wednesday night? Uh, from her home in California. To me, I just think that exposes the reality that for Democrats, health is only, is only you know, invoking health is only something they do when it's convenient. Not just on this issue, but on others. It's, it's when it's convenient, they invoke it, but not when it's not. Like, for example, when there are masses of people turning out for protests and close confines, or, or even worse, when there have been riots. I've yet to hear condemnation uh, from those turnouts of people in one place, issues about health or safety or anything else being raised by Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, or anyone else out there. It just kind of exposes what most people thought, which is they're trying to use health, presumably because they polled and found it to be a potent issue, uh, health to be an issue in this election uh, when it benefits them, but not when it doesn't. The other interesting thing that most people might have missed out on, and that is that Joe Biden's not only not in Wisconsin for the convention, he hasn't been here at all. You heard me right. He hasn't been here at all during his presidential campaign. Joe Biden announced for president April 25th, 2019, in all the remainder of last year, he wasn't here, and in all this year, including the time before anyone was talking about coming off the campaign trail, Joe Biden had not set foot in the state of Wisconsin. Remember, part of the reason why the convention for the DNC was in Wisconsin is because Hillary Clinton made the classic mistake of not coming back to Wisconsin to campaign after she lost the April primary that year, the spring primary that year to Bernie Sanders. Supposedly, they weren't going to make that mistake again. And people can say, well, yeah, it's all about health. Well, he had about a year and a half to find one reason, just one reason, to come to the state of Wisconsin before this all happened, and he didn't. Other observations, uh, overall, I just thought it was interesting. The the general theme or uh, kind of uh, guiding principle that has gone through this entire DNC convention is that feelings uh, trump facts. And they do it because the press seems to play right along with it. Unfortunately for Democrats, as one of my friends says, facts do not care about your feelings. 
but they'll do that over and over again. They, you know, with Kamala Harris, again, someone who I thought gave an exceptionally good speech. And I just love her story about her parents. Uh, it personifies the American dream. Too bad she and many of the other liberals that support radical policies like hers, if those were enacted, it would actually make it harder for people to live that dream in America. And as I mentioned, according to Newsweek, Senator Harris's voting record is actually more liberal than that of Bernie Sanders. Now, not surprisingly, if you think about other things, though, she said quite effectively in the past, she didn't bring up at all during this convention something she said during the debates, and that is uh, the issues that she raised about being disappointed uh, with Joe Biden for having cited uh, or referenced uh, former members of the United States. having authored legislation in the United States Senate to put a ban on busing that desegregated schools that, that benefited literally her and, and her other classmates. She, she didn't talk about the statements she made last year in the campaign when she said she believed the accusers uh, against uh, Joe Biden. To me, it makes sense in a presidential campaign that you're going to have differences. And, and it's not unusual uh, to have differences on policy and then still have someone come out, not only be a running mate, but, but ultimately uh, be a supporter and someday, if elected, be a part of the cabinet. But those aren't moral issues. Uh, when you talk about believing accusers or you talk about things as deep as being personally hurt by someone standing and, and siding with people who are segregationists, with trying to ban busing that desegregated the schools that she was a part of, it's just really remarkable to think about that. And her response, if you saw it, with Stephen Colbert, was to laugh it off and say, it was a debate. She kept saying, it was a debate. Does that mean when she and Vice President Mike Pence have a debate that we shouldn't, we shouldn't believe them? I think it's an interesting question. You look down the night line, again, Barack Obama. Actually, both the Obamas, former first lady, former president. I, I thought the, the one observation about both of them is, if you just listen to the presentation, there's nobody at that convention and arguably nobody in politics uh, today that gives a better speech, a better connection to the American people uh, than either the Obamas do. They're just good. Uh, don't agree with them, but again, give a stellar performance. One of the things I thought about, though, is if Joe Biden is such a great leader, why did President Obama actively push Hillary Clinton to run for president long before the 2016 election. The reason I say long before is some defenders of, Obi of, uh, of Biden would say, well, that's because of what happened to his son, Bo. But remember, Politico just last week came out with yet another story about how President Obama was pushing Hillary long before uh, the tragic uh, death and, and, and uh, sustained illness of uh, the former vice president's son, which, of course, is a horrible story because Bo uh, seemed to be a great uh, great hero and a great public servant. But that was the reason cited. But in the end, Obama was pushing this long before any of this was clear. And, and even since then, if you fast forward to this presidential campaign, if Biden was such a great vice president, why wouldn't his former president endorse him early on in the process Instead of doing what Obama did, which was wait till the very end, till, till literally there was almost nobody left. Well, I think if you're honest about the answer to those questions, it tells you all that you need to know about whether or not Joe Biden should be elected in, in the year 2020. 
You think of other things out there, Bernie Sanders, I, I thought won the award for the best summary of the convention when he said, many of the ideas we fought for that just a few years ago were considered radical now are mainstream. Well, Bernie, I got news for you. <laughs> they may be considered mainstream at Joe Biden's convention, but they are neither in Wisconsin nor in most parts of our country anything close to mainstream. The idea that most Americans would lose their access to private health and cover, health insurance coverage is something that I think uh, is not very popular when people learn about it. And they certainly don't want the federal government, the federal government that couldn't even get a website up and going for Obamacare to take over their entire health care system. And remember, one of the sponsors of that radical bill was Senator Harris. Now, I look at other things along the way. I mean, Hillary Clinton, I just ignore, but Bill Clinton... Bill Clinton, the audacity. Talk about being tone deaf. <clears throat> they, somebody actually knew what he was going to say and still let him do that when he talked about lecturing the president, the current president, about, as he called it, chaos in the, in the Oval Office. Chaos. I don't think Bill Clinton should be lecturing anybody about chaos in the Oval Office. Andrew Cuomo was another one that came to mind when Joe Biden and the Democrats are overwhelmingly trying to make the election about health and coronavirus and dealing with the crisis. I think they made a huge tactical mistake by featuring the governor of New York on the first night of the convention. Remember, Andrew Cuomo's orders sent sick people who were positive with the coronavirus to nursing homes, where, according to the Associated Press, thousands of people ultimately got infected and died. They died. All this other help, Trump sends in the Army Corps of Engineers to help build hospitals. He sends in this ship, the USS Mercy with the Navy, all these things to help out. And then Cuomo goes off and does this. And think about this, the facts, not feelings. The feelings are that the media thinks he does a good job because he gives all these great press briefings in their mind, daily briefings and, and shows a big volcano and all these sorts of weird things. But the facts show that no other states in America have a higher death rate per 100,000 people than the states of New York and New Jersey. It's a classic case of feelings trumping facts. It's like I said, the media loved his briefings, even though the facts show he was a total failure. And not only did the DNC feature him, Joe Biden went out of his, out of his way to tweet about uh, his uh, thanks uh, for Cuomo's leadership. There's example after example of this. I, I felt all along that they're trying to create all this hype and hysteria with the post office, I believe, as a way to try and scare people into attempting to vote early so that they don't have any worries that their, that their vote might not get there in time. That's, that's a bogus thing. I, I voted twice now this year with absentee ballots, which are different than mailing everyone a ballot. Uh, but, but twice now, and I've had no problem getting those. I have no problem getting the mail. The bottom line is they're trying to scare people. In fact, many of these pictures and images you see on social media have been debunked by the fact checkers because they're, they're things that happened years ago. In fact, during the Obama-Biden administration, the Inspector General for the U.S. Postal Service reports that some 14,000 mailboxes were taken off the streets. Many of these images were from back during that time. These are not things they're doing right now. But I think the reason they're trying to do this is get them vote early so that people don't see Joe Biden at the debates. Get them now. Get them all worked up. Get them worked up with their feelings. and Don't let them look at the facts. Do a fact check or check it out. Don't let them in any way see any concerns about whether or not he's capable of upholding this argument about the debates. 
Yeah, it's just an interesting time in American politics, but it's one of those where, in the end, facts don't care about your feelings. And uh, they certainly put on a convention that was based on feelings. I hope that Republicans uh, certainly stick with the facts. But my advice next week is do both. Don't just have a, a debate. Don't just have a convention that's driven by facts. Certainly have it be its foundation but deliver the facts in a way that also appeal to people's feelings, that, that show that Donald Trump, Mike Pence, and all the rest of the Republicans running in 2020 understand the hopes and the dreams, the fears and concerns of the American people, and that we actually have a plan, and, and we've got a record to show that we helped turn the economy around, that we got people working again, that we can get people safe again, that we can get people healthy again, that we need four more years to do that, and we need Republican majorities in the House, in the Senate, in legislative bodies all across America. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, keep fighting for freedom.